the Bitcoin Golden Cross and why markets are dumping. That is the topics that we are going to attempt to answer and discuss in today's episode where I'm joined with a new guest and that's Hal from Foot Guns. We are talking Bitcoin miners, ETH BTC ratio, Sol ETH ratio. We're talking about the cycles, where markets are at right now, and so much more. Welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. We are here to make sense of an on-chain world in constant transformation. I'm Kyle Reedhead, your host for today's episode. And as I mentioned, I'm joined with Hal from Foot Guns, who brings with us a wealth of knowledge. He is managing treasury for uh, BadgerDAO uh, for the last two years. BadgerDAO is a big DeFi company in the space. It's been around for a while. Uh, and actually, fun fact, Hal was a part of BadgerDAO when they had that $100 million hack. And so he had to, as the treasury manager, had to work through that, which is a crazy story. He also is the head writer at Foot Guns. He runs a podcast, so he's doing a lot in terms of understanding markets. He's big into trading, so understanding the technical components of markets. And he's been in the space uh, trading crypto since 2016. So he is a, I don't know if we would call that an OG, but to most of us listening to the podcast today, he is definitely an OG. And I guess one more fun fact, he was a particle physicist before getting into crypto. But Hal does a lot of active trading throughout the cycles, as we'll talk about. So he talks a lot, a lot about just how he gets in and out of trades and why he gets in and out of trades throughout this this episode. I know many of us are, are more buying and holding, maybe dollar cost averaging, uh, but it's just nice to hear someone else's point of view of how they're getting in and out. He was actually short uh, on Bitcoin during this last week when the markets have dumped. So he's got a little bit more smiles than I would. Uh, and I'm sure many of us listening here today, but either way, he brings a ton of knowledge and a ton of experience into understanding where markets are at and where things are going. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Hal, welcome to the Web3 Academy show. Today, we are talking about the market watch and it's a good time to be talking about it because markets are in a bit of a frenzy. We are down pretty big today uh, for anyone who's been paying attention. So we'll, we'll definitely cover that in the episode. I want to get your insights on, on what's going on today exactly right now. Uh, but before we get into that, let's just take a step back and just, I want to get a lay of the land of how your mind works in this space. If you want to just kind of zoom out and give the audience just an overview of where you think we are right now in markets in general, do you subscribe to the, the cycle kind of things? Are we in a cycle? Are we potentially in the next super cycle? If we are in a cycle, how far along are we in there? You know, where do you think we're going next kind of thing? Just give us that sort of high level overview of where we're at. I think the big question, like if I were to sort of rephrase that is what is actually like driving the cycle? Because, you know, you, you have people like Ray Dalio, you have the stock to flow model, you, you have the uh, Bitcoin maximalist, you have the, uh, I think someone like uh, Raul Powell, who's sort of claiming that this is actually a, uh, a monetary cycle, not a, it's not a Bitcoin cycle. So yeah, I think sort of for me, it's like, well, what is actually driving, driving what's about to happen? So is this really something that is going to be led by just the Bitcoin halving where later this summer, the block reward in Bitcoin will get cut in half. And so then if you, you know, mathematically, if you have the same amount of demand, you should see a price rise. So, you know, there's a lot of people like, I think Nick Carter, who argues that it's demand driven. So I think similar to those people that are arguing that it's like a liquidity cycle. So yeah, I, I think I'm paying a lot of attention to what is the Fed going to do? Because a lot of people are pricing in rate cuts now. And a lot of Bitcoiners are saying that if you get rate cuts, then you get more liquidity, you get more demand and tie that into the halvening and you get higher prices in Bitcoin. I buy it. I don't really, uh, I don't see the downside to that. The one thing that no one's pricing in, right, is what happens if there's some sort of thing that interrupts this liquidity cycle, right? Which is 
no one saw COVID-19 coming. We had this giant crash across all markets. Even though the recovery was pretty quick, quick, it, it did take a while to get back to where we were. I think it's sort of obvious in everyone's mind that we're going through some sort of liquidity cycle where we expect in twenty, like late 2024, 2025, 2026 to have like more liquidity into the market. But yeah, I'm just sort of like focused on what could stop that while at the same time right. positioning myself sort of for the... So you do see, you do think we're in a cycle and... Do you think this is like a similar cycle to what we saw in 2020, 2021, where a couple of years of a bull market and then we have a bear market and we see the same thing just continue to happen? Or do you think like at some point this ends or are you kind of in that, you know, a lot of people, like you said, think it's just these cycles, these whether we're following the business cycle, the liquidity cycle, the Bitcoin happening, like whatever the reason is, it's a cyclical nature of, of crypto adoption and, and the price appreciation. Is that, you think that that just continues? Yeah, I mean... For, for me, I like to look at charts a lot. I'm looking at gold. I'm looking at oil. I'm looking at the NASDAQ. I'm looking at the S&P 500. And I mean, they sure are showing there's liquidity coming into these markets. And there was obviously the Bitcoin went up like 200% or something last year, right? So into this ETF. So obviously there's going to be some sort of consolidation, pullback, you know, moments, a breather, like as we say, a big sign would be if the Fed were to increase interest rates again, mm-hmm. then, then you would say, okay, something is different, right? Like my thesis is sort of off, like, but what, you know, what would drive that? I mean, it would have to be some inflationary event, right? I think a lot of people are, are seeing is unlikely to happen between now and let's call it like June. Yeah. So I could easily see sort of air coming into the markets, like across all markets. I'm actually long oil right now, which has been, <laughs> I mean, Bitcoin's like down today. Oils, oil went from like 73.5 to 75 just this morning while Bitcoin's sort of been consolidating. So yeah, I mean, I'm seeing liquidity coming to the market. I don't think it's going to be as uh, easy and up to the right as everybody thinks it's going to be. I think that even if we're going to see new all-time highs in Bitcoin in 2025, we could have sort of a rough ride this year. You know, somebody said to me the other day, it's like, I think the best trade this year is just going to be the reversion to the mean trade, which would be like, okay, well, so where does Bitcoin sort of find its stalling point here and just buy it, take it back to 40K, sell it, wait, you know, do it over and over again until it breaks 40K. Once it breaks 40K, short it back to 40K. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if 40K becomes a significant point for Bitcoin. Yeah. So... It sounds like you're in the cycle crowd, but you might not be as bullish as I think many others who are in the cycle crowd are. A lot of people are saying, okay, all-time highs this year, and then we have a crazy blow-off top, probably 2025, maybe extends into 2026, and then we go back into another bear market. But it sounds like you're saying maybe not all-time high until 2025, and then do you see this sort of like crazy blow-off top? Like, do we go into another full-on 2021 like we did then, or are you a little bit more bearish on this cycle is what I'm just sort of getting from you right now, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that, like, if Bitcoin goes back to its all-time high, like, I'm a buyer. Like, I'm, I don't know. It would be weird. It would, You know, the, the one thing that did happen was, like, gold put in this sort of top in the in the early 2000s and then took a while to get back to its new high. And then it just, like, blew out, right? Like, so maybe Bitcoin could go through this really weird phase where it puts in another top and then comes back to 40K and then, you know, builds this sort of rising wedge pattern that takes until 2026 to play out or something just just thinking like from a from a more macro price perspective but no i would be really surprised if bitcoin was able to break 
let's call it like 50k and didn't just see a new all-time high like almost immediately and then from that all-time high sort of do what the nasdaq did i mean i changed my twitter handle uh i don't know three months ago to cup and handle making fun of like the 3-3 meme and yeah because i saw this cup and handle forming in the nasdaq and now we're getting new all-time highs like every day right so yeah if bitcoin went back to 69k from here like it would form this really nice bottoming pattern you know in the middle of this cycle and i would expect yeah i would expect to see 100k plus i'm just like conservative in the short term right like because you have like the sell in may and go away meme right like everybody wants to get their gains between now and april and then in april like whoever's winning they're gonna they're gonna take their profits because they want to go on vacation right? so for me, it's like if if Bitcoin can get some sort of legs here, then certainly I would expect it to retest mid 40s or something like that between now and April. And then I could then see it like having this sort of like slump into the summer and then we'd get the real rally going into to the late fall. But uh, again, if you think about what people's expectation of the Fed are, that sort of like falls in, into place there, right? Which is you get some sort of rate, maybe even a pause or a cut, right? You get a, a pause or a cut in March. Then you get, you know, a rally that follows that because Bitcoin's sort of searching for something to get behind right now after the ET catalyst. Yeah. So you, you get some sort of like rate cut or even a pause or, or maybe like a good inflation print or something like that. And then you get a rally to April and then people sort of start taking profits again. And then at that point, again, you need the Fed to sort of move. Bitcoin tends to, I mean, all of crypto tends to just sort of sell off until something happens, right? Like, and maybe not right. like goes down, but sort of just like dwindles until something happens. And then all of a sudden something happens and you get these like big moves upward. Yeah. Well, it's interesting what you're sort of saying of like, okay, maybe we down, we go down or we just kind of hang out a little bit here until we get that next catalyst and then probably chills out in the summer. And then we go big come, you know, the end of the year uh, of this year. It's very similar to how the previous cycles have worked. I mean, if you think of 2020, you know, we went up, we did really well to get out of the bear market. Then we had this huge drop. Now, obviously, COVID was a, a big part of that. But then we ran out, we kind of chilled out through the summer, then sailors started buying. And then we were like off to all-time highs and beyond for t- end of 2020, 2021. And it seems like most people are kind of calling that same sort of scenario, but maybe not as big of a dip as we had with COVID. So anyway, th- it, it appears that's kind of what's on your mind as well. And, and I think it does play out well, along the lines of what the Fed looks to be doing, probably going to start cutting at some point this year. Inflation, in my opinion, is going to continue to go lower. And so at least the macro backdrop is setting up for that to play out. We just need that next catalyst, whatever that is. Let's talk about today. So today has been a tough day in markets for anyone who's been watching. What are you seeing? What's causing it in your opinion? And where do you think we go from here? Yeah, today was not a tough day for me. I was short, short. coming into oh. Yeah, I, I, I actually, it kind of sucked. Uh, last Friday, I was like super short. And then we hit this sort of uh, the support level that I was like, well, that's not really good support. And then amazingly, it just like bounced. And, and in a huge way, I think uh, I think a lot of people were sort of offsides there, including myself. The price rallied all the way back up to like almost 42K. And then I was like, okay, well, this was the spot that I, I wanted to get short from. So let's get short again, which is a hard thing to do, actually, after you get sort of beaten up in the market to stop being gun shy and to actually say, you know what, this is what I wanted to do from the beginning. So let's stick to the plan. So yeah, I saw this big weakness at 42K and mainly because there's just not a lot going on between where we are now and like the 200 day moving average. And I don't know if this is a good time to to bring up this chart and talk about it because it might 
might be easier for people to understand. That top vertical line, sorry, horizontal line, is just where the price sort of paused on this big dip on Thursday, December 2nd, which I actually wrote an article about this because I noticed this on like many, many exchanges that we had this big wick down and it, you know, it depends. This is back when FTX was, a, <laughs> was an exchange. You know, you had Binance, you had FTX, Coinbase, and and everybody sort of found like a different place for this bottom that day. But it was sort of for me a, a sign that some air was coming out of the market. So when something like that happens, I view that they say old uh, support becomes new resistance. So I view this as sort of like a, a key level in, in the Bitcoin market because sort of what happened on that day. And and I'm using Bitstamp, and the reason I'm using Bitstamp is it is it goes back a long time and is is kind of complete, but. Don't take this number as being precious in the sense that on some exchanges it was lower and some it was higher, but it gives you a good sort of barometer of where we at. And you can because you know, just like the you know, we're looking at numbers forty two ish thousand. Is that the number you're yeah yeah it's right around forty two thousand. Let's just call it forty two thousand. And like I said, you know that could be forty three, forty forty even maybe on some exchanges. There's this sort of really important structure that's formed over like the macro scale. So so yeah, so people that are just listening, this is going from 2019 all the way to the present day. And we're looking at like the daily time frame. So it's a little bit noisy still, but there's some really important things that happen that are key in my mind. And and yeah, what I what I saw was this this sort of blow off top here in the short term related to the ETF and then the loss of this like really key support of, of 42k. And that doesn't mean that like Bitcoin's going to zero or even as some people like to meme that it's going to 12K. But in my mind, uh, it does not have to prove itself. Like, so if it wants to get, if it wants to go higher now, it needs to come back above 42K, close at least, you know, I, I would love to see like the weekly close above it, at least a few days close above it before I started to say, okay, this bull market is sort of back on again. This orange orange line here and this blue line, one is the 50-day moving average and the other is the 200-day moving average. And for the first time since, what is this, July 19th, 2019, we're seeing the 200-day moving average rise above the 50-day moving average, which they call a golden cross. And and you can see that in 2019 when this happened, even with the pull, the, the COVID uh, pullback, which was you know a decline from fourteen thousand to three thousand five hundred dollars, this two hundred day moving average never went back below the fifty until all the way of fall, you know, or late summer twenty twenty on August twenty sixth. So this is twenty twenty two. You know, this is twenty twenty two. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh my, I'm sorry, I said the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty two. This was a huge bull cycle, right? And there's a lot of people that look at this and they they trade the 200-day, 50-day cross. And the way to trade it in 2019 was to start dollar cost averaging into a position and maybe not just like get super excited and buy today. I mean, when it actually crossed in 2019, I think it was like 250 days or something like that until, yeah, 249 days until the price started sort of rising back up again. So it's not like you have to run out and and start pressing the buy button today, but I, I think this is a big feature. And, you know, my guess would be, I, I, again, that this price sort of comes back down to the low 30s or something like that, fills in, fills in this gap here. And then I would be a huge buyer under 30K and I wouldn't be, if crypto Twitter was, was trying to freak you out, I would just be buying and maybe not with any leverage at that point, right? <laughs> 
Tell me a little bit more about this Golden Cross. For those that you know don't really pay attention too much to TA, this will probably be all over Twitter, I would assume, for the next little bit. So people are going to hear it no matter what. What does that mean? Is this something that you see in other markets as well? So like, is this like a well-known thing, the Golden Cross, or is this specific to Bitcoin? Or can you just walk me through the fundamentals of that? The the 200-day moving average is, I would say, like a fundamental piece of like TA. And there, there's literally like mutual funds and that literally was by anything once it crosses the 200-day moving average. And you can actually see some key things that happened at the 200-day, right? There was the, when Silicon Valley Bank failed, the Bitcoin price literally just like ticked the 200-day moving average and then bounced off of it and then bounced off of it again and then found support under it again. So it's a level that a lot of people pay attention to and a lot of people view as... Actually, I mean, again, you can see what happened during the bear market too, right? Once the 200-day was lost, it retested it, couldn't get back above it, never found it again until 2023, right? So it's an incredibly important moving average. The 50-day is also fairly important. I would say maybe less in Bitcoin, as you can see, the price has interacted with a 50-day, actually very little sort of over mm -hmm. Bitcoin's history. But in a lot of other markets, the 50-day moving average gets interacted with a lot because if you think about it, it's just shy of a month. So you kick out a few trading days through the weekends and that sort of thing. And it, and it, it sort of represents two-thirds of a quarter, right? It's two months of, of trading days, which, you know, if, if you think about it, a lot of companies, a lot of hedge funds, a lot of funds in general operate on a quarter to quarter basis in their reportings. And then again, the 200 day is just around two thirds of a year. So you, you kind of just get the sort of idea of well, what happened last year, right? What's the, the sort of average over the last 200 days sort of tells you how was the last two thirds of the year going? And so when the price is trading above that, you say, okay, we're in a bull market. When it's tra trading below that, you say, we're in a bear market. And so when the 200-day comes above the 50-day, you're saying that for the last sort of year, Bitcoin has been trending higher. It, it, it's sort of just an idea of a, oh, hey, you know, what is the, where's the momentum? What's the trend? Well, the trend is higher, right? And until the price goes below this 200-day, you sort of have to be proven differently, which is why I'm saying like you, you're going to see this sort of like slow sell off until you get a catalyst. And then all of a sudden mm. the price rises and, and rinse and repeat. But likely like from a, from a trading perspective is you watch these levels and you go, okay, look, unless something bad has happened, I might as well buy this level and, and do it without leverage. And then you don't really have to worry about getting stopped out or anything like that. Right. So when you have this golden cross, you're sort of saying long-term, it looks like we're going up, right? And whether that's years, however long that takes, it's a good signal to have this kind of golden cross. And anytime there's dips or big dips in this, as long as it's not breaking below it or fundamentally something has changed, you're a buyer on dips, I would assume. But if you're somebody who's just like dollar cost averaging, once you have this golden cross, you're saying this is the time to be doing it, right? And it's just something you can buy and hold if you want to, if you want to trade around it. Of course, if you're, you know, that's what you do, you can do that as well. But ultimately, this is a good signal that, hey, the bull market is here. Uh, and things are going to look good for years to come kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like everybody likes to say, like, not financial advice. I like to just sort of rephrase it and just, yes, is what I would do. Yeah, for me, like when I see something like this, I start thinking less leverage, less short-term trading, more just buying. Like, you know, whenever you see a bad headline and a bad day, pick up some spot and 
Right. Hope that hope that the blockchain never has a double spend or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. This is diving into Bitcoin. What do you think when you look at the rest of the market? Does Bitcoin sort of guide everything for you? It's like, okay, when Bitcoin signals this, then I think, okay, the rest of the market may move up along with it. Is Bitcoin sort of your like North Star for it all? Or what do you take when you look at maybe something like Ethereum or even going down, down further on the risk curve? Or is sort of Bitcoin remain your guiding star and then you go down the risk curve after that? Yeah, I think there's a little trick, especially the 20-week moving average. It's about $36,000. There's this little trick that has worked for forever, which is you see Bitcoin also respects this 20-week moving average. So, you know, we're talking about now about half a year versus about like two-thirds of a year. And one of the things that has happened over and over and over again in these cycles is that when Bitcoin finally gets down to this 20-week moving average, and it finds support there. So if if you wake up uh, in the next, let's call it like, you know, two or three weeks and Bitcoin hasn't like, you know, just completely gone down to 30K. And But it, it you know, you see it sort of hanging, hanging around like 36K or so. The altcoins tend to catch a bid like around the 20s. So, you know, I think a lot of people know this. It's not just something I've noticed. I've looked at these things for a long time. And to me, I'm looking at this weekly chart and I'm just like, why would it not go to 36K at this point? And I mean, there would have to be some sort of headline, you know, the Fed would have to emergency rate cut tomorrow or something like that. So once it gets there, yeah, that's where I'm actually going to start like picking up altcoins i think historically altcoins have performed extremely well once bitcoin sort of like hugs this 20-week moving average and what i mean by that is it it doesn't go below it doesn't go above it just sort of like trades sideways for a little while and yeah i mean i have some theories about, about like why that's a a thing but um yeah i've just noticed that pattern so that's sort of like my plan around and why i think bitcoin's chart is so important especially if you're trading altcoins is to find, you know, find these places where Bitcoin is is going to stop sort of going down because, yeah, it's really rare. It's really, really rare that you find an altcoin that will sort of counter trade Bitcoin. I mean, it, it happens. I mean, there was like Link. I mean, Link's like the most famous one that, you know, Wi-Fi, I guess, and like DeFi Summer. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, I would love, I would like once Bitcoin hits 36K, like my eyes are going back to like Solana. Maybe take some of the more meme, meme coins, like the dog with the hat. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to shill specific, uh, because that's not like, I think it's like a really great crypto, but uh, again, I just think, you know, again, these patterns that I've noticed. Right. Okay. Very interesting. So let's move further into the crypto world. So we've talked a lot of sort of macro, you're sort of just like technicals of what you're seeing for the cycle. When you start to think about moving into altcoins, let's move into that world. When you're looking at, okay, I want to buy some altcoins. I want to get out of Bitcoin and go more down the risk curve. What are you looking at? Do you go off of narratives? Do you have like fundamentals? Like, do you love, I don't know, certain tokens because they are, you know, profitable, for example? Everyone talks about Ethereum being a profitable blockchain. Is that a narrative you care about? Or is it more on the, as you talked about with meme coins, like how do you start to decide on where you're going to go when you go down that risk curve? You know, you start with Bitcoin as the barometer, and then I'm a big fan of Uni, not really as like an investment, but as something again to watch. And it's one of the largest decentralized exchanges out there by volume, by TVL. You have like Aave, which is one of the largest lending protocols. Of course, Ethereum being sort of like the base of all that. So when Bitcoin's doing well, you have to look at these things and say, okay, well, what are they doing? Are they finding support and that sort of thing? And then when it comes, you know, down to like, okay, well, now it's time to invest. Clearly, you could make like a basket of those things and probably be fine. I think they will 
probably perform well over time. But yeah, if you're trying to like stretch out into the risk curve, I think crypto Twitter is great for sort of following sentiment and seeing what everyone else is interested in. And this year, you, you know, can't deny the fact that Solana has taken the attention of a lot of people. I think the price of the token went up 500% or something like that. I look at those sort of Uniave, ETH, what is the sentiment like as we stretch into the risk curve? And then if those things are looking good, then, you know, okay, well, where is actually, where's the attention? And the attention I think is really on Solana right now. Um, I stay away from NFTs because they're so illiquid. Uh, it's really hard to to trade. I own a lot of NFTs, but, uh, you know, they're like, uh, I write them off to zero immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they're ever worth something one day, like, I don't even know if I'll sell them because, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like when you buy a piece of art that's worth a lot of money, did you ever have the intention of selling it or did you just buy it because, yeah, you wanted to have it? And if it's worth something, like, that's kind of cool. So, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen anything outside of Solana that's caught my attention a lot. There, I mean, there's like Tia, I don't know, just throw names out there like SUI, how you say it, SUI and SEI. You know, again, I just sort of like, okay, well, where are people, where are people putting their on on crypto Twitter? You know, at the end of the day, they're like, uni went from like 385 to six something over this cycle, which is like, that's a fantastic trade, right? You would have uh, almost doubled your money. But yeah, you know, something like Solana went up a 500%. So you don't want to be the buyer of things when Bitcoin is having a rough time. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, you bring up Solana East. I'm a huge fan of the whole ETH, ETH chart. ratio as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think these are these are fantastic things to look at because what you're trying to hunt for is like, well, what is the relative performance, right? Like what is, where's the moment that these things will actually like outperform something like just holding Bitcoin? Right. Well, let's let's start. If you like BTC ETH, why don't we just chat on that real quick here? I just want to get your thoughts and I've got uh, a messy chart up here. So just forget about my lines and that. I think I remember on Twitter, you were calling that Bitcoin was going to outperform for a while. And I saw you chirp with the bankless guys a lot on Twitter, which is always makes me laugh. But I know you were big on sort of pushing that Bitcoin's probably going to outperform, which was correct. I mean, uh, ETH got wrecked by Bitcoin over the last, let's say, year and a bit. But just recently after the BT, Bitcoin ETF approval, ETH sort of jumped back. And after thinking it was going to die, is what everyone was saying on Twitter, it sort of jumped back and is, and is still here today. Where do you think ETH Bitcoin is going next? Or sort of what do you see when you look at this chart? I think it's really easy. I mean, the call I made last year was was based on a, a meme. Again, there you know, there's these like memes in TradFi that you know they work really, really well. And it was that you know, as good as January, so goes the year. Last year in January, you know, ETH had this sort of run up in the first week or two, and then just shit the bed, so to speak. I don't know. And uh, this year, we're seeing the opposite, right? ETH against Bitcoin is having this big rally into January, so. We got one week left. We got seven days left of the month. If we close like we are now, then yeah, I'm probably going to stop trading Bitcoin this year and just trade ETH, right? Like, or I might even trade, might even trade Bitcoin from the short side and and ETH from the long side because yeah, so far, I mean, yeah, ETH sort of had a moment at the end of the year to really go down against Bitcoin and and it didn't take it. My experience in markets is when when an asset is sort of giving given its moment to either go up a whole lot or go down a whole lot and it doesn't take it, that tends to be like a reversal or, you know, what people like refer to as an outside reversal. And I think literally on the chart, you know, this is the one week that it, that is a, an outside reversal candle where where you have the last week going below and back above the previous week. 
The only thing is, is it's not bullish engulfing. So the following week, it lost some steam. But I mean, that's one hell of a candle in reversal there. So yeah, I, you know, I would say like next week, if Bitcoin goes to 36K and ETH stays at 21 or something like that, then everyone's going to be forgetting what we're talking about. But it's important to come back and look at this chart and realize that, oh, wait, ETH is outperforming, even though we're all we're heading down. So so at that point, again, like a great relative value trade is short Bitcoin and, and long ETH. And it, even if they both go down against the dollar, you'll still make money. Right. And so for the rest of this, is it the rest that you said for the rest of the year, I guess you're going to be focused more on long ETH than Bitcoin. Is that until the rest of the cycle? And then once the bear market comes back, you flip back into, I mean, probably dollars, but moving into Bitcoin side of that ETH BTC trade, or is this more short term for you? I mean, the thing that we learned at the end of the last cycle was that you just go back into dollar, like dirty fiat, like, you know, and if you're worried about Americans, I mean, because this is like a specific thing to Americans, it's like, well, you know, move your money to three different banks or whatever. It's FDIC insured. You can buy Bitcoin at negative 60% of where it is today. I would say like, just don't get too caught up in the whole, like, I have to stay in crypto forever. But um, right. yeah, ETH, uh I mean, if we are in like the positive liquidity cycle and Bitcoin is going to make a new all-time high, then ETH, ETH should certainly outperform. I, I can't right. see a reason why it doesn't. Which actually, yeah, yeah. If we want to talk about Solana now, we can. But I, I was I was about to go into the Bitcoin mining stocks. <laughs> well, actually, I did want to cover that after. Let's go Sol ETH first, and then and then maybe we'll finish up with uh, with the miners. I do have one chart of the miners up here as well. But okay, so ETH to outperform Bitcoin, I think a lot of people are calling that one. Well, there was a little bit there where people were saying maybe not, but I think that was just narrative. But I think that that is the obvious trade. But what about Sol versus ETH? Is that even more obvious that, okay, well, if ETH is going to outperform Bitcoin, Sol is going to outperform ETH this cycle? Or what are your thoughts there? And and why? Like, is it just a technical yeah, I can't thing or is it you can't see this the Sol ETH chart or can you? No, no, no. I can't see why you're wrong. I mean, it's like, I think this is like a sentiment trade. Remember last cycle, everyone was really into Cardano, even though Cardano like still, you know, doesn't have anything, anything going on. Somebody said this to me the other day. It's like, don't get too caught up in the why or else you'll start fumbling all over yourself, especially when it comes to investing in prices and that sort of thing, because it's really hard. You know, people will be like, oh, well, NVIDIA shouldn't be trading at 33 times earnings. Because this other company, they're trading at these times earning, and there's this company they're trading, but like, and the, there's all these valuations and blah blah blah. And you know, the only person that can really say anything is like Warren Buffett, who's like done it over and over again, right? Yeah. Everyone else is just sort of guessing. And so to say that Solana is like overvalued here or undervalued here, it's really hard to argue why. What I see is that money is going into the Solana ecosystem. Attention is going to the Solana ecosystem. Those two things tend to lead to higher prices. <laughs> I couldn't tell you exactly why, and I don't actually kind of care why Solana will outperform ETH. I do just notice the trend. And I mean, I've used it. I have, a, you know, I have a phantom wallet and I trade on like Radium and Orca and I've been in and out of Dog with Hat. <laughs> and, yeah, which is fan- a fantastic trade, by the way. I see like it's it's useful. It's fast. It's easy to use. And their marketing is fantastic. I can't see why the trend would stop here. My only thing that I see in the chart that you have up is like, uh, don't be uh, too set on the last can. Like, you know, that 
the last candle is always like the worst candle to look at. Uh, it's always it's it's always the one that your mind like tries to like tell you to be like oh because because you know it, it it found like a nice uh nice support and it balanced but the week's not over right we could no uh, yeah <laughs> saturdays are right. saturdays and sundays are always brutal from the sell side if because you don't have the big wall street boys around to, to pick up your coins from you so uh, i mean i could see it i could see it getting worse before it gets better but at the same time like certainly like i look at the chart and i go oh okay like that's nice like we should be thinking about picking up Solana versus ETH here. So again, if you're a hedge fund, you short Bitcoin and you you start buying Solana and buying ETH and you probably will outperform the dollar maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I had just look at this as like, okay, it's probably time to move some ETH in, into Solana. I'd probably wait until it gets into the more of this like purple range. I think it does go down there, but I don't know. I suck at being patient. So the moment I'm like, oh, it's close. I'm just going to pull the trigger and go for it. Uh, other people will wait and, and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I think Solana, you know, continues to do really well in this cycle and probably is a, is the darling this cycle as well. Let's move into and we'll finish off with Bitcoin miners. The only chart I think I have here is the marathon one. I'm not sure if that's the one you care about or which one you're looking at. Maybe you have like an index or something, but talk to me a little bit about yeah. the, the miners, why this is a play for you and like what your thoughts are around the Bitcoin miners. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan and I, I had like a mega call on Mara when it went down to eight bucks before earnings and traded all the way up to 22. In fact, my friend who who runs a real fund put real money into the trade and cashed at around $22 or something like that from eight bucks. They beat earnings by 950%. Because a lot of people, they think that the halving is a bad thing for miners and that their rewards are going to go down. The whole ecosystem becomes competitive, like more and more competitive over time. And so like, you know, they're going to lose, et cetera. In my mind, like the upside here is that you have the rate cuts, right? I mean, you have the potential for the rate cuts. You have the potential for more liquidity to come back into the markets, which is going to increase the price to earnings ratio. So the stock should go higher. But then also... That should twofold because the price of Bitcoin should also go up. And so I think a lot of people are just sort of undervaluing the earnings here and they're overestimating the cost. And so the PE ratios are probably sort of overestimated right now. Like they're probably actually like much lower. Like, yeah, this is sort of like my Warren Buffett trade where it's like buy good, you know, good companies that are cheap. So, yeah, I see and and it's hard to pick like a specific miner. I mean, Mara obviously beat earnings by 900%. So it's like, okay, well, they're doing well. At the same time, there are a lot of other miners. I'm invested in one called Wolf, W-U-L-F, and then uh, Hive, which are sort of lower cap. I just see, I see the whole mining space. I mean, it, it's the same trade that the gold bugs like push with gold price rise where they're like, okay, well, uh, if you think gold's going to go higher and you want sort of leverage than by the gold miners. So yeah, I, I think that these are actually really undervalued here, especially after the ETF announcement and the sell-off. But again, I see I see it the same way as ETH and, and Sol versus Bitcoin, which is you probably have to have a bottoming and a local bottom in Bitcoin before you get you know a big price rise here. At the same time, this week, the miners have been sort of outperforming bitcoin a little bit maybe even more than than solar eth have so I, I think it's an interesting play especially if you want to not just be buying crypto if you want to if you want to own equities and some of these things do pay dividends when i first got into crypto early well before last cycle 
I thought the same thing as the gold idea. I was like, okay, if this Bitcoin thing is going to go up. And I was still kind of learning by the time. I was like, but there's miners. Like those things got to be like a levered play. And I bought Hive and I did really, really well. Off of, I can't remember. It was like a 10X or something. It was, it was crazy. I bought it really low. Yeah, they went, you know, they went really crazy. It's like, oh, yeah, they, yeah. So, but that's what I'm wondering is because of the difficulty of the happening, do you think that miners do better? Like, do they get higher market caps than they did in last cycle? Do they perform worse from last cycle? Like, how do you think that this business model, I guess, plays out. And then how does that obviously play out in terms of its stock? Yeah. I mean, that's what's so hard though with equities is they could release more shares. There could be, I mean, you, you, you run into key man risk of what if the leadership changes? I mean, there's like all these sorts of risks that you have to take into account. That's a lot different than buying something like Solana. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just, again, just go back and look at, you know, is history going to repeat itself? Probably not. Will it rhyme? Probably. So yeah, I, expect them to outperform the one thing that I, I i noticed is that they actually led sort of last uh cycles so the miners peaked way before bitcoin peaked and they they rallied sort of before bitcoin rallied so again it's one of those things like uni ave and like eth where you can use them as a way to sort of as a barometer of risk in the crypto space not just as like a trade you don't have to necessarily go out and buy the miners you can be paying attention to them and that can give you the signal to start buying Solana or something like that, right? <laughs> right. That's a great point. I also love that you just said that crypto is, there's more risk in buying a stock than than crypto. Oh, I think only a crypto native. Someone who's deep in the space <laughs> in this, like that. But I, I love to hear that. So that's great. Let's cap it off there. Hal, thanks so much for, for joining. Thanks for you know diving into all these different technicals and sort of your thoughts and ideas around where markets are going, both short and long term. If people that are listening are interested in in continue to follow your your thesis and your your technicals, where can they where can they learn from you? Foot.substack.com. And yeah, also if you just Google uh, Foot Guns Podcasts, it should be the the top thing that comes up. We have podcasts where I talk with my mentor for for 15 years now and a, a couple of other people. Sometimes we have guests on. I try every Tuesday. I sort of get my thoughts out there. And actually, that chart that we showed, I've been sort of following that now for almost two and a half years, getting out to people, putting my thoughts behind it. And then on tomorrow morning, actually, every Wednesday, I try and do a quick market update where I go over some technical indicators that we we put out sort of in a proprietary way for our paid subscribers. Awesome. Well, we'll put the, the links in the show notes as well. You guys should check out the newsletter, check out the podcast. They put out some great stuff. And so, yeah, Hal, thanks again for, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Hopefully markets, I mean, for us, for those that aren't shorting crypto, because I just don't think I could ever do that. Hopefully markets move upwards. For you, I guess you're hoping they move downwards. So you and I- Yeah, or no, I mean, for the for the long only guys, hopefully we get some good entries, right? Without, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would just say, you know, be careful about the leverage, right? Just because always with spot, you can't, you know, you can't get taken out if you're patient. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, yeah, well, thanks so much. And I wish you all the best this cycle. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share Share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note, this podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.